Adventure Out, where I'm Jason. I'm John. Hi. Hi. I was waiting for you to introduce us the way that you uh, are referring to the villain of this next issue. <laughs> I thought you were... The I thought you could introduce this podcast like that. <laughs> Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I was just telling John that I've got some new t-shirts. I, I ordered a bunch of new t-shirts, and one of them was a Starblazer shirt, and we were reminiscing about how slowly paced Starblazer's cartoon was, but how I have huge nostalgia for it and love it. I forgot to tell you, one of the other t-shirts that I ordered is for an imaginary restaurant um, called Mickey Rooney's Potato Fantasy Family Restaurant. <laughs> what? <laughs> And you have to you have to look up the origin of it. Apparently, uh, at some point when Mickey Rooney's star was fading, which would have been in the late fifties, early sixties, sometime in the sixties, probably you know when Laugh In took over and nobody cared about Mickey Rooney anymore, he invested in a bunch of ridiculous businesses. And this graphic designer, I stumbled across something at some point and made fun of him by creating this restaurant that was based only on potatoes. And he made a fake ad that looked like it would show up in like an issue of Time magazine, like a full page ad that showed the outside of this restaurant. And it said something about it promised a handshake with every meal. And they showed a picture of the plate and it had a giant baked potato in the middle and scalloped potatoes on the side on one side and then uh, like a side of French fries on the other. And it promised five pounds of potatoes with every meal. It was a ridiculous fake ad. And I bought a T-shirt for it because it's a funny joke to me. And when I wear it around young people who don't know who Mickey Rooney is, they'll just look at me like, that guy's old. They'll say, okay, boomer. Yep. No, that was like a year or two ago. My kids did call me that for a while. And I tried to explain to them that I'm not a baby boomer. That's their grandparents' generation. And then they just mocked me more for knowing that. <laughs> they just kept saying, okay, boomer. Damn kids. Anyway, uh, what do we got? 179? Episode once one forty nine seven seventy seven four. We're in episode seventy seven four seven four zero seven seven. Now, what did you say? One seventy eight, one seventy nine, one seventy eight, one seventy nine. You had it right the first time, but then you just kept going on and just saying numbers. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Avenging Hour. This is episode one seventy nine. Uh, today, we're going to cover issue thirty eight and thirty nine of the West Coast Avengers from November. 1988 and December 1988. Let's get issue... The Christmas issue. (laughs) Let's get issue 38 out of the way quickly. Issue 38... Shouldn't take long. We mentioned... It's going to take longer for me to explain why. In last episode, we did the West Coast Avengers Annual, and Steve Englehart and Al Milgram wrote and drew, like, I don't know, 40 pages of that annual, 38 pages of that annual. So, obviously, they needed a break. Unfortunately, this is the story we got. I mean, I know we've been hard on Steve Englehart and Al Milgram as of late, but I've never wanted them back more than I did after reading this issue. We're going to put story in quotes. This issue was written by the the duo of D.C. Chichester. D.G. D.G. Chichester. D.G. Chichester and Margaret Clark. Now... Margaret Clark, I really can't find much information about her at all, and she seems to have only done comics work with D.G. Oh, my stars and garters. D.G. Chichester. Chichi Rodriguez. <laughs> so I can't tell you anything about her. As for him... Maybe maybe she is him. <laughs> you think he was trying to get two checks? Yep, yep. Double the royalties. On August... he was uh, D.G. was born August 2nd, 1964. He started as an assistant editor at Marvel... And then became a writer in 1999. He left the comics field for advertising. He has got runs on Electra, Nick Fury, Night Stalkers, Terror Inc., but is probably best known for a long, well, 
a longish run on Daredevil. Did he write Daredevil when he had the armor? Yes. That's what I thought. And I read Terror Inc. I, actually, that's, I like that character. He also, oh, I'm sorry, the book is drawn by Tom Morgan, who we have not seen yet either. Tom Morgan, born on October 21st in some year, <laughs> started in the early 80s as a penciler. He Le- has, lengthy stays, anyway? Yeah, he pretty much just does fill in art. I'm guessing because his art is really rather ugly. Sorry, Tom. I've never been a fan. The longest run he had on anything was Punisher 2099. So, Ooh, yeah, that, yeah, okay. Yep, this bad guy looks like he's from Punisher 2099. Or so. a Conan comic. So that's the story. Or that's that's the creative team. The story is called Redemption. Take the, it away, Jason. The story is called Redemption, but let's go to the cover because this issue really overpromises. <laughs> it says, The West Coast Avengers in their greatest battle ever against the Defiler. You know, the Defiler. You know, from from Marvel's Shang Chi, I think he's coming back. So this issue starts with um, two heroin addicts being attacked by um, a guy that flunked well, out of Gold's Gym. It actually starts. <laughs> What's going with, on? It starts with a framing sequence as the West Coast Avengers fly back from Wakanda from the annual. Oh, right, I forgot that page. Uh, it is a great example of how bad Tom. Morgan's art generally looks. Wonder Man looks horrendous. Yeah, it's really bad. And no one is in the same scale. And the narrator says, a Quinjet carries four of the most powerful members of the West Coast Avengers. And also Mantis. It carries the only members of the West Coast Avengers. There's five people, though. Which one of them isn't one of the most powerful? Yeah, right. (laughs) But yeah, but once we get this... So basically, Wonder Man's like, boy, I remember when we had more members... And when we all got along and didn't hate each other. Oh, I'm sorry. It says four of the most powerful members and Mantis. She's on there, too. Okay. Yeah, this was great. Oh, Wonder Man's flashing back in the, yes. on the first page. This entire issue is Wonder Man's flashback. You remember that time we fought that heavy metal guy who um, threw people into energy-absorbing billboards so that he could get bigger and stronger? Oh, did I just tell the whole plot of the book? Yeah, so, yeah, that's this is back when Iron Man was still on the team. Ugh. And, yes, it's about a rock star who can access another dimension, and if he throws people in that dimension, he gets super strength. He, like, takes their energy somehow? But the people don't die in the other dimension. No, they just hang out. I think eventually they do, but, yeah, they're just, like, hanging out in the dark. And they basically meet some kids, and this is all about redeeming the kids, or the boy. I don't, I don't, it's... Yeah, does the girl die? Like, or does he go? No, the boy wants to rescue her. She gets thrown into the other dimension, doesn't she? Yeah, she gets thrown into the other dimension. The boy wants to rescue her. Somebody gets yeeted in there, as the kids would say. It's weird because (laughs) this guy is, the defiler is, again, apparently a rock star. And yet he goes from town to town throwing people into billboards. Yeah, he doesn't wear a costume or anything. He's just like, look, you all get thrown in the billboards. You'd think that would hurt his career. You'd think after a couple concerts, people would stop going. Yeah, but apparently not. One thing that this issue has going for it is I feel like they use Dr. Pym's Hmm. enlarging powers better than any other issue I've seen. It's ridiculously silly, but it works. Yes, he he enlarges like a baseball glove, a baseball mitt to catch people in. (laughs) At one point in time, he enlarges a chainsaw and is swinging a ginormous chainsaw around, Mm -hmm. which I don't even know how he's holding it, but it's really big and I really love it. He also enlarges a rope, so they have this really like like big, huge rope to grab onto. Seems like that would be difficult to use. Well, again, it doesn't seem like he should be able to hold the chainsaw. 
Where did he make this this thing that looks like a cross between a sky cycle and the fantastic car? Yeah, I don't know where that came from. There's his chainsaw. Yeah. How does he even hold that thing? I don't know. Who turned it on? And then, he, and and then he, what is he doing? Is he going to murder all those people with it? Yes. And he's trying to cut them out of whatever it is they're in. And this, then he enlarges a skateboard and puts like 12, 15 people on a skateboard and, and pushes and, it out. Iron Man pulls it out through the with the giant rope. Yeah. So I really actually enjoyed that part of this issue. That is the only part of this issue I enjoyed. Spoiler alert, the Avengers win. And the Defiler gets sucked into his own dimension. And who the heck knows what happens then. And um, the very end of the issue, they lose control of the Quinjet. You know what's really weird is the the guy that's in this. When you look at bullpen bulletins, they do a, a profile of the editor Gregory Wright, and he looks like the Defiler. <laughs> Are there? Is there letters? I always forget about letters since I don't have them for the West Coast Avengers. Is there a letters column here? If there is, they hit it. Well, there's the bullpen bulletins. I can't imagine. I would have to scroll way back here to find it. Scroll. scroll. <laughs> No, there's not. All right. So that's issue 38. Can we safely say that that issue is done and we're, we can move on? Or do you think you need more time with it? When they're losing control of the Quinjet. Yeah, we, we, we flash back to the present in the last panel and the Quinjet is out of control. This really annoys me. Yeah. When you find out why it's out of control. Yeah, it's so dumb. It's very dumb and it seems like just a waste of pages. So this takes us to issue 39. Is by Steve Englehart and Al Milgram. It is the last issue Thank God. That Steve Englehart will write. Oh, thank God. And we only get one more Al Milgram issue. Oh, I don't like this issue. This issue confuses me. It is called Upset. Upset. Which is what Jason was after he finished reading it. Yeah, before I, after I finished reading the last one and into this one. So this opens up with, um, yeah, the Quinjet's out of control. And everyone's freaking out and everyone's got to find it. Like, it's turning upside down. Mantis is holding on to a seatbelt. Uh, Scarlet Witch is hexing stuff to float around. Like, and it turns out that Hawkeye got a call while he was piloting the ship and accidentally bumped. Yeah. But Hawkeye's standing there like nothing happened. Everyone else is like upside down and holding on to things. Yeah. These two pages are dumb. It's so Well, there's so many problems with this. First of all, on the first page, the Avengers are flying all over the Quinjet. And we just, I mean, just in... In, in, in a certain frame of, of time, just read the East Coast Avengers team where they were fighting in their Quinjet. We know the Quinjets aren't this big. This Quinjet is huge. It's got to be big enough to hold 20-foot tall Bill Foster. Well, and, and you're right. And while the Avengers are flying around the Quinjet, it's so dumb that the Quinjet went out of control because Hawkeye bumped a lever because somebody mentioned Mockingbird and he got all yeah. upset. And then the idea that, yeah, the, apparently he doesn't, his power is that gravity doesn't affect him. He's not even holding on to the stick at this point. He's turned around like, oh, hey, guys, sorry, what's going on? It is very mm. frustrating. Mm. So this whole also, issue... Also, I'm uh, so sorry. One other thing. The other thing being, again, this is a relatively small... It should be a relatively small Quinjet. If all of a sudden Hawkeye stopped piloting, you'd think the other four would notice that Hawkeye is no longer doing what he's supposed to be doing. When Mantis showed up uh, two issues ago? Yes. She was like, I don't remember anything. Can you guys help me remember stuff? So that's what most of this issue is about. Yes. But first we have to have this weird aside where we go back to New Jersey so that Vision and Wanda can pick up their kids from Simon Williams' mom. Yes. And also we have to have a few moments to remember that, oh, by the way, Mockingbird and Hawkeye are getting a divorce. Oh, and no. Mockingbird, really? Tiger, and Moon Knight left the team. Oh, no. So, oh, yeah. Okay, there's Bill Foster. Because, you know, meanwhile, this is what's the from back in the annual. They've landed at 
Newark Airport because they because the Avengers wouldn't let them. Could you believe it? They wouldn't let them land at Hydro Base. Yeah, because we're not Avengers anymore. We just have this stolen Quinjet. <laughs> But yeah, apparently Bill Foster had folded himself up like an accordion to get into the Quinjet because he's happy to get out and stretch again. But he won't shrink back down because, again... He's got to get the bad mass out He's got to get good mass so he can get rid of his cancer. He has to flush out the black mass. So he's going to grab onto the tail of a... Why are there so many ads for American Airlines in these books? <laughs> in the Solo Avengers, when um, Trickshot gave Hawkeye the plane ticket to Paris, it was an American Airlines plane ticket. And now we're seeing the tail end of an American Airlines plane... Bill Foster wants to, he doesn't want to shrink down until he checks with Hank Pym in L.A., which means he's going to have to make it from Newark to Los Angeles at 20 feet tall, and I'm really curious to know how he's going to do that. I don't think we ever find out, but I'd like to know. I'd I'd rather follow him than this story. He's going to hug an airplane. He's just going to, (laughs) like, wrap himself around it. Hold on. I I love the fact that uh, when he leaves, he's like, of course, he's yelling because he's big and he has to yell. It doesn't make sense. He should be quieter because he's big and I can hear him easier. But he's like, bye. And Moon Knight goes, and good riddance, that man is not our kind. Whoa. Well, and Tiger. <laughs> Slow down there. That's the black guy leaving. <laughs> That's what Tiger says. Tiger's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Knock off the racist stuff. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, it's not the racist. It's that he's nice and we're ruthless killers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at Mockingbird. <laughs> and she's like, hey, 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 hey. We're not ruthless. We're practical. And he's like, oh, no, we're ruthless. And then uh, right on cue, here comes Phantom Rider. He's the best timing. Clip-clopping across the sky. Yeah, the Phantom Rider attacks him with pumpkin bombs. I'm not sure what he's doing. (laughs) He seems to be, like, uh, calling lightning down on them. I don't know what's happening. They fight for a page or two until um, Mark Spector gets knocked out and Khonshu shows up. And Phantom Rider's like, what the crap is that? (laughs) And runs away. Yeah. Who is inking this issue? This doesn't look Al Milgram-ish at all. It's being inked by... Parker, like Peter Parker, Colonel Tom Parker. I don't no, know. It's be, no, that's letters. There is there. Oh, Milgram's inking himself. Englehart story. Milgram art. Yep. Wow. Milgram should not ink himself. <laughs> that's a bad idea. <laughs> that's a funny thing to say. I know, right? Normally, when artists ink themselves, it comes out looking much better than this. Billy, stop inking yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, because uh, the the art is very different here. So Phantom Rider flies away and they're like, there's a problem. We need to fix this problem. And then we flash back to New Jersey where Simon Wynn's mom's holding one of the boys and Wanda's got the other one. And she's like, Wanda, is something wrong? And Wanda says, I, I just felt an intense burst of evil, mom. Something's very wrong in Newark. Which is so weird. So the she's, ev- in, she's in Patterson, New Jersey, right? And yeah. she feels a, an evil president. Just like Darth Vader. Like Luke Skywalker's in Newark. It's like many voices cried out in horror. <laughs> what? So the Avengers go to Mantis's house to look for clues. Which is also in New Jersey? <laughs> it's in Connecticut. No, it's in... Oh, yeah, it is. All right. I misread that caption. Wonder Man tells us he doesn't see any clues to her life yet, but I'll look with different forms of vision. Mm-hmm. Wait, you'll do what with who now? He's going to look with vision. <laughs> Does he have different forms of vision? He and Vision are going to... Oh, no, wait. Vision's not... Oh, no, Vision is here. All right. Wait. Where's... Oh, did they leave Wanda back with the kids? I get so yes, confused they did at some leave, point, like, showing who's where. They did leave Wanda back with the kids. Because in another page or two, they're going to tromp off into the jungle, and somebody's talking, and I can't tell who it is. It, Anyway, we'll get there. Yeah, Scarlet Witch stays behind to watch the kids like okay. she was supposed to all along. So it's Hawkeye, Mantis, Wonder Man, and Vision. Yes. At Mantis's house where she was known as Mrs. Mandy Celestine. 
Yes. Because one- And Hawkeye has to say, Mandy Celestine sounds like Mantis and Celestial. Thanks, Einstein. Yeah. Because Wanda's mother-in-law makes a point of saying, aren't you worried about your husband going off with a woman that tried to seduce him? Yeah. And Wanda's like, nah, we're solid. Yeah, we're good. Well, we will never, ever, ever, ever get divorced. There's nope. nothing that could keep us Mm-mm. apart. Even even if I looked way in the future, like 10 issues, we would still be a solid couple. <laughs> like, even if you got ripped to pieces and I went insane, yes. nothing would tear us apart. Ever. Even if something literally tears you apart. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he goes crazy first, doesn't he? Well, I don't remember. I think it's weird. He doesn't go crazy, he gets ripped apart. Then mm. she goes crazy. Then he comes back. The Avengers, uh, so Mantis gets a knock on her door and gets a... It's the postman in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's 10 o'clock at night, but the postman's there. <laughs> Giving her some CDs that she ordered from her, uh, Columbia House. Yes. 13 for a dollar. So they decide that they should probably go check out the Vietnamese temple where she was raised. But this doesn't... <laughs> so there's a knock at the door. The delivery guy shows up. Gives her a box of box of CDs, yeah. which you would think would mean something. It does not. And Hawkeye's like, unless that's Stevie Wonder's Secret Life of Plants, we should probably drive to Vietnam. Yes. What? You seem like you understand this perfectly. I'm not sure why you. <laughs> why did they put in the part where they delivered CDs to her at ten in o'clock the middle at night? Of the night? <laughs> I have no idea why. <laughs> also, it still seems to be in the middle of the night, even when they get to Vietnam, despite well, the fact that we are at a different continent and time zones say that that's not the way that should well, work. If they cross the dateline, depending on how fast they were going, I guess it could still be the same night from the night before. Is that how that works? No. Ah, so, yeah, I had to look a couple times to figure out who was here because they go off into the woods and they find the swordsman's grave. So there's four of them. Yes. And in the, when they first get out of the Quinjet, you can see that Wonder Man uses his belt jets to shoot up into the sky. So it's Mantis, um, Hawkeye, and Vision on the ground. Vision or Mantis and Hawkeye are talking. And then the next panel, there's three figures. I can tell that that's Vision in the middle because yes. he's got his chest thing. And I can tell that that's Mantis because she's a woman. The person on the left didn't know who it was. And he says... Uh, the it, swordsman. He was an Avenger, wasn't he? The second to die in the line of duty after me. Yeah, it's and Wonder I'm like, Man. what? Where did Hawkeye go? At first, I thought that was Hawkeye talking. I'm like, when did Hawkeye die? And then also, when did Wonder Man die in the line of duty? He wasn't an Avenger when he died. Well, you no, know, he was. They they made him an Avenger before he kidnapped the wa- wait. No, they didn't. did. They? they? I, or were they just talking about? You know, we've talked about this before where I feel like over the years, people that were never actually Avengers, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we made them an Avenger. And you're like, you did not make he them an Avenger. He was in the book one. Don't you remember the Defiler? He was an Avenger. <laughs> they, they probably posthumously made him an Avenger, figuring they'd never have to see him again. <laughs> so they find the gravesite of Swordsman. But that's not the Swordsman, right? That's the gravesite of Broccoli Swordsman. Yes. Yes, it's a, because the Kotanti, the plant Kotanti, took over the swordsman's corpse after he died. This, these next couple pages are so confusing. And apparently, they buried Kotanti swordsman, which I, I don't know guess. why, because Kotanti. I mean, wouldn't he just rot if he left him out in the sun? Or is this the actual swords? This is the actual swordsman's grave. Is it? But what jumps out of it is Kotanti swordsman. It says after his death, his body was used as a sort of host form for the alien Kotanti that Mantis presumably made it with. Presumably. I didn't actually see it happen. I wasn't peeking in through a window. Well, who, Swear to God I wasn't. Who buried the swordsman? 
the Katani swordsman, why would they bury him? And Did he die? Like, huh? You mean this tree creature reanimated this dead guy's body so he could get it on with a living human woman and you let him? And she's like, yeah, it was my destiny. Shut up about it. <laughs> and what do you mean you let him? I don't know. Why, why is this upsetting you some? And you let Ms. Marvel go off with a rapist in Avengers 200. <laughs> It'll be and fine. this is bothering you? Guess they don't have the same feelings about death as we do. So what happened to his body? And she says, infused with celestial energies by virtue of being selected as the Madonna, I converted both of our bodies to purest thought. So why did you, how do you bury thought? Well, yeah. And then on the next page, the Kotati swordsman's body jumps out of the grave. Yeah. But how it was converted to pure thought. Well, Wonder Man can't understand it either because he keeps asking. He's like, sorry to be so thick about this. But why would you bother to convert a dead guy's body to energy if all you wanted to do was join with the spirit of the alien inside him? And Hawkeye thinks that Wonder Man's asking these questions because, you know, he was once dead and buried, too. Thanks for reminding us, Hawkeye. Also, I think he's just asking I these think questions. Wonder Man's just like, what the F? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and it goes on. The, the story, yeah, like you said, this green swordsman pops up out of the grave. And Hawkeye's like, swordsman? And Mantis says, prime Kotati? I don't know. Well, and then the swordsman, the the green, the green glowing swordsman proceeds to fight them for the next few pages, holding the entire team off. We complained in two issues ago when Mantis first showed up that she held the team off and she should never been able to do it. Swordsman should not be able to hold this team off either. And he, for the next few pages, runs rings around them. It's because of his sword. His sword can do stuff if you push buttons. <laughs> right? As we find out as he uses it against everybody. Ugh. And then they stop oh. fighting. Well, they stop she, fighting. She kicks him in the side and he's like, oh, you knocked that evil part loose. Okay, cool. Here, follow me into the temple. She she follows him. Mantis follows uh, the swordsman. He wraps her up in plants. He takes her to the place, the sacred grove of the Kotati, where the plants like wrap her up. Yeah. And then he throws his sword through her and kills her. And she dies, but she's not leaking blood. She's leaking sap and she doesn't even know what's happening. And then she pops out of the grave. Yep. But no longer looking. She had like green she's, skin. Now she has Caucasian there. skin. Yep. This one's true form lay here in suspended animation all along. Who knew? And then she tries to explain it, and it doesn't make any sense. Because apparently, after she converted their bodies to pure energy, they reconverted them to matter, and the priests of Palma buried their empty shells and husks. But then, after conceiving a child, this one's spirit self sojourned back to Earth to bear the child. What? So the Avengers have been running around they with a spirit a mantis. <laughs> They've been. This has been Spirit Mantis for the last few issues, and the or the last for the rest of this issue. The only way to get her spirit back into her physical body was to kill the spirit form. And instead of trying to explain this, and I get that it was difficult to explain, Swordsman thought it would be easier to fight the Avengers for six pages and then stab Mantis with a sword. Well, that makes sense. When Swordsman first came out of the ground, he's like, I can restore your lost memories. And he takes a swing at her because he was trying to kill her because if he did, it was going to bring her. But everyone thinks he's just attacking her to attack her. I love how she goes off and tells a story about how she like hung out and like got it on with Silver Surfer for a while. And then... And then this one knows that it was the violence of that explosion that robbed her of her memory and sent her spirit back to Earth. Really? Your spirit just was like, I'm floating out in space. I'm going to go back to Earth because that makes sense. And then she's he, and then the the Kotati swordsman tells her, you know, hey, don't worry about the kid. We got it taken care of. Don't yeah. worry about your son. She's like, I'm not the Celestial Madonna anymore. And he's like, no, no, you still are. We're just not going to let you touch the kid. <laughs> and then he dissolves. Yep. And Mantis is like. 
And Hulk is like, hey, come back with us. And she's like, like, I'm good. Yeah, she's like, I'm staying here. So the Avengers are back to four members again. I'm good. The West Coast Avengers are back to four members again. This is good. This all made sense. Thanks, Steve Englehart. Thanks. Thanks for working Mantis back into the book as your swan song. And are we we at all surprised that he ends his run with a Mantis story? No, because whatever comic company he went to after this, he took a version of Mantis with him. Yeah. Mm, So uh, it'll be interesting to see where this book goes from here. I want to see what happens to Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah. Is Khonshu still going to be like a thing? How is, well, you got to tie that plot thread up, but. There is one? <laughs> I don't I don't know who does plot, tie, I'm not sure who writes those issues. Uh, there's, I think there's one issue to tie that up, and I can't remember who it is. I know it's not Engelhart. Mm-hmm. It might be, um, it's either, I think, DeFalco or Grunewald. Mm-hmm. We'll find out in, mm-hmm. in two weeks, but not next week, because next, next week. week is a another issue that is nothing to do with Moon Knight. No, but the Night Shift is in it. I'm always happy to see the Night Shift. Woo. Although you're going to have to explain some of these characters to me. I have notes. Wow. All right. That was, I mean, it was not a great issue, but it was kind of fun to talk about how weird it was. Uh, thanks for listening and putting up with all of that. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our email address is avenginghour at gmail.com and you can find us on Instagram at avengingour. Bye-bye.